but week two of our new series uh, called Breakout. I uh, feel really excited to be able to share this. Um, you know, I, I sort of do this thing to myself every single year at Mother's Day uh, because I so much see it as an honor uh, and I value the opportunity to be able to speak life into moms, really the true heroes of our world. Uh, I, I do this thing where I put a lot of pressure on myself to have a Mother's Day specific message every single Mother's Day. Instead of just being a church that gives away a gift on Mother's Day, I really work uh, effort into coming up with a sermon for moms. And so I did that this week and I've done that for like seven years. And again, I want you to know uh, that I do that because I just, I love this opportunity to let you know how important you are and how much uh, you mean to God and you mean to us. And uh, so we're going to do that today. But I want to say that off the bat, uh, it's for guys as well. As much as I'm preaching about uh, and to moms, um, it's going to be something that men can take with them as well. Uh, but but don't be selfish, guys. It's going to be the mom sermon, okay? Just, but uh, but want to say that. But um, before we jump into the sermon, and the sermon title is uh, Breaking Out of Comparison. I want to talk about just how we get stuck in this rut of either the comparison trap or, or just this, this poison of comparison. And uh, before we do that, I want to acknowledge a couple uh, very important mothers uh, in the room. First is my mother. Everybody give it up for my mom. Yeah. Wouldn't be here today uh, in the natural if it wasn't for her, and uh, also wouldn't be here in the spiritual if it wasn't for her. And so love you, mom. And then also my mother-in-law over here. Everybody give it up for my mother-in-law. And, uh, and same thing, spiritually, what you've invested in us has got us here. So happy Mother's Day. We love you. And uh, I know this sermon, uh, we're going to be talking about not comparing, and uh, which really works pretty good for me when it comes to my wife and, and Mother's Day, because nobody else compares to you, dear. I love you. And, and so she's the best. Yeah. So happy Mother's Day. I love you. You said, well, that wasn't very nice to say in front of all of us. Well, Get your own church and write your own sermon and say whatever you want, but it's mine and that's what I'm going to say. So let's pray and we'll jump into it. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for the opportunity to be here today. God, I ask that you just be special to all the moms today. Just love on them and speak to them what they would need to hear, uh, whether in the room or watching online or even watching it another time. God, I pray that what you would have them hear, I pray that they hear today. Lord, I pray that you anoint these words in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, motherhood is so funny because it puts you in situations that you didn't sign up for. And really, a lot of them are pretty comical. And so I grabbed some of the top Mother's Day or Mom's tweets uh, on Twitter this year, and I want to read a few of them to you. Uh, one is this. It says, my daughter has been home from school for 30 minutes. She's been talking for 40 of them. <laughs> didn't realize how much motherhood had changed me until I army crawled in and out of my sleeping baby's room to get a half a cup of cold coffee. <laughs> Most of the time as a mother, I spend time hiding in a closet eating something I didn't want to share. <laughs> you need the Lord. <clears throat> Hands down, my favorite part of being a mom is waking up early to cook a hot, nutritious breakfast nobody will eat. All my kids do is fight with each other and eat. It's like my Facebook feed in 3D. <laughs> Three-year-old, can I shoot the baby with a Nerf gun? Me, no. Three-year-old says nothing. Me, do you understand why? Three-year-old, because I didn't say please. <laughs> please pray for my teenage son today. He forgot to jump and touch the door frame before entering a room today. 
teenage boys, you know what that is. Uh, I love this one, and this one's the most true. I let my toddler play with my phone today, so now everything is in Spanish, and I have 273 pictures of her left hand. <laughs> Being a mom is insanity. It it's, puts you in all these crazy situations, which are comical and chaotic and uh, crazy, but at the same time, as crazy as it is and insanity as it is, it is also the most miraculous thing of all time. You being a mom, being somebody who God said, hey, I'm choosing you to carry out this prophetic destiny of these young people. As crazy as it feels in the natural world, I want you to understand the brilliance and the power of the opportunity that you have to lead a life into its calling. Are you with me this morning? I just came across this this week. In uh, 2016, Northwestern did a study of what happens when a egg is fertilized under a microscope. They got footage of this. Go ahead and throw it up there. This is what happens at the time an egg fertil- it gets fertilized. Watch it when it runs back again. The moment that it becomes fertilized, there's just this great shine of light that happens. There's just this at that exact moment when those two things to come together and life begins, it's this great Boom! It's called a biological firework of light because human zinc sparks billions of zinc atoms all at one time. Think about this, moms. At that moment of conception and life beginning, it's just like Genesis when God said, let there be light and there was. And when God said in Genesis, let there be light, there began life. Can I get an amen today? And so for you, you're not just some mom who's trying to get through and deal with all this insanity. You are literally somebody who God chose to say, let there be light and life on the inside of you. And now you get to carry and nurture that. Can I get an amen? I want you to know today that you're not just a maid. You're not just a chef. You're not just the house administrator. You are a miracle maker on a daily basis. You have the opportunity to shape and to shift and to mold and to lead and to guide these children into this prophetic destiny that God has assigned them for. Literally on a daily basis, you walk in signs and wonders. So don't let the enemy trick you into thinking you're just the maid, the chef, the administrator, the the boo-boo fixer. No, you are someone who walks in signs and wonders. Amen. I thought about it like this. There literally was a day where God was creating all things. He made the Grand Canyons, and they're amazing. And he made Niagara Falls, and there's sort of this assembly line that God is working on. And he's putting all these things together, and he's assigning them, and he's laying them all in place. But then there became a day where he got to us, or he specifically got to you. And he said, okay, Grand Canyons, all these great things, oceans and mountains and all these things. But then there was a day where he said, okay, you. You specifically, God in heaven said, you know what? I'm going to spend time. One translation of scripture says that we are his masterpiece, his handiwork. God who created everything said, I'm going to put you together this way. And then what's amazing about God is when it comes to you as a mother, he got to a point where he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make this one a bundle. Because I'm going to create you, but then with you, I'm going to create your offspring. And I'm going to be giving you these children that you get to steward and raise and do life with and speak life into. You know, people say all the time, man, I wonder what it was like to be Mary carrying Jesus. Mary, did you? (laughs) I'm here to say that to you today. Did you know? Because the scripture says that we're all sons and daughters of God. What would it be like to carry Jesus and be the, but what would it be like? You are that. 
You're carrying the sons and daughters of God here to fulfill what he's called them to do on their community. That's your honor. That's your joy. That's your blessing. God must think a lot of you today. Can I get an amen? Think about this. A hundred and nine billion people have walked this earth. Not one person has had your thumbprint. You are literally a one of a kind with an incredible call that God has entrusted to you. It's a brilliant and beautiful thing. Motherhood. Amen. You have a unique and beautiful assignment and purpose. And I wrote it down like this. The fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. You want to kill something special? You have this beautiful and unique and specific assignment. You want to kill something special? You begin to compare it to something else. Have you ever, you know, you love your house. I love my house. We love our house. Our house is great. And then your friends get a new house and you go over to their house. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, my house. My house doesn't have shiplap. Oh. <laughs> you watch those shows and you see somebody else. And you start to compare yours to that. Now all of a sudden you don't love your house anymore. Because that's what comparison does. When you begin to compare, it takes what was once special in your heart and begins to devalue it. We see it on vacations or we see people on social media. You're having a great day. I'm having a great day. I got no worries in the world. I'm having a great day. This has been an awesome day. I'm going to just check social media. I'm having a great day today. I'm going to check social media. Oh, really? They're on another elaborate vacation? Oh, look at them. Good for you. I hope you get so sunburned. You burn for two years. You peel for two years. I hope your skin sheds every six months, you and your another elaborate vacation. Now all of a sudden you're having a bad day. You were having a good day. So you jumped on there on social media. You saw social media. You jump on there. Oh, look at you two. Aren't you so cute? You're out on another fancy dinner. Look at you. So special. Always with those fancy date nights. I hope you have so much diarrhea after that meal. <laughs> I, that's what you think. The Lord tells me that's what you guys think when you do that. I don't do that. But you're having a great day until what? comparison comes in. You start to measure your life up against somebody else's life and it robs you of your life. It robs you of your joy. The reality about comparison is it changes our mood. When we compare our lives, we lose our joy. I wrote it down like this. Where comparison begins, contentment ends. When we say, oh, I got this lifestyle, I'm going to be comparing, seeing where I measure up, keeping up with the Joneses, what are all these things? When we begin to live that lifestyle, your contentment is going to come to an end. The hard part is, uh, the, the, the problem with social media is that we see everybody's highlight reel. You know, we jump on there and we start looking at our life against somebody else's parenting, somebody else's life, somebody else's home life, somebody else's thing. And, and we're seeing their highlight reel. They staged everybody. They got everybody looking right. They used filters. They got everything going. That's their highlight reel. And the reality is we live in the behind the scenes of life. We see the mess. We see the chaos. We see the undressed. We see the behind the scenes of things. I remember learning this example. We were laughing so much about social media and how really how fake it is. Because when Caroline was two, we took her, uh, we were staying in a hotel and uh, we were about to take her out to the pool. And so she's so cute, right? She's got a little sun hat on, her glasses, and her little baby bikini, and all this kind of stuff. And so we put that post up on there. Everybody say, "Oh my gosh, she's so amazing!" They're saying, "Oh, she's so perfect. You guys are so blessed. That's so great. You're so lucky. You got all this stuff." What people didn't realize is just minutes before that, we had undressed her to get her to put her bathing suit on, and she was only two years old. So right before we were able to put clothes back on her, she had pooped all over that hotel room when we got her naked. And I'm not talking like just a little like, oh, whoops. I'm talking like the farmer's manure sprinkler. She was just, just doing her thing. 
So everybody's looking at that picture like, oh, you guys are so blessed. You're so... And I'm scrubbing the hotel floor because, oh, it's so amazing. And that's what we do. I'm like, oh, I wish I had that. And I'm over here like, why do we do this? Googling how to sell a two-year-old, you know. I wish I had that. And, like, oh. and, and this because we compare our lives to the highlight reels of everybody else. And as mothers and, and even as dads and in any area of our life, when we begin to look at, compare those other things, you're going to lose your joy. Paul says it like this in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12. This is the amplified version. He says, not that we have the audacity to venture to class or even to compare ourselves with someone who exalt and furnish testimonies of themselves. That's what social media is. We're, we're furnishing testimonies of ourselves. Look at me. Look at me. Paul goes on to say this, however, when they measure themselves with themselves and compare themselves to one another, they are without understanding and behave unwisely. He's saying they don't get it. When, when all you're doing is measuring and comparing yourself to others and other things, he's saying you're missing it by a mile. You're not called to keep up with the Joneses and compare yourself to others. You're called to steward the life that God has given you. And he goes on, he says it this way. He says that they, they have no understanding. They don't get it. He says that they're behaving unwisely when you live a life of comparison. One translation says it this way. It says how ignorant that they do that. Hey, you know, if I can just look good on social media, then I'm doing good. If I can just compare well and measure up well with everybody else, then, then I'm doing good. He says how ignorant. Here's the reality with comparison. Comparison only has two negative results. When you compare, there's only two things that happen. It either makes you feel superior or inferior, and neither of those honor God. When we get online and we compare, the reality is somebody is always going to be better off than you, and somebody is always going to be less off than you. So you're going to have one of those two reactions come in, either be superior or inferior, and neither of them honor God. It's funny, I finished up this sermon and I, I sent some of my notes over to the team on Thursday and uh, just a couple hours after being like, all right, we're not going to compare because it makes you inferior and superior. I'm not going to do that. A couple hours later, a pastor friend of mine sent me uh, some things to look at for him and uh, they had a new website and some new social media. He said, hey, Josh, go on there, check it out. Let me know if there's anything that you see that we need to change. Two hours after just buttoning this up, I'm on his website being like, oh, we're not that cool. <laughs> And I'm over there like, oh, we're better than that. Two hours after just, just because it's our nature. It's our nature to compare and measure up and see where we're at. Here's the problem, though. We resent when we compare. When we get into comparison, what happens is we begin to resent the goodness in others' life and ignore God's blessing in our life. We begin to resent that God has blessed them. And it then causes us to ignore and be ungrateful for the blessing that God has put in our life. That's why I put it down this way. There is no win in comparison. There's just no win in comparison. Someone will always have more and someone will always have less. Pastor Andy Stanley talks about it like this. The disease of err is something we always battle as human beings. The disease of err. We just need more. We just need more err. I want to be rich err than what I am right now. I just need to do this and get this and do that. Then I'll be just happier and then I'll be good. Or if I can get to this and do that, and if I can just be a little bit skinnier, then I'll be happy. But the, the problem with the destination or this disease of er is then it leads us to the next disease, which is the est disease. It's not enough just to be a little bit richer and a little bit happier and a little bit skinnier. Then we want to be the happiest. 
Then we want to be the richest, and then we want to be the skinniest. You're always on that treadmill of, I need the next, I need the next, I need the next to be happy. We could call it the destination disease. If I can just get to that, then I'll be happy. But the reality is in comparison, if, oh, it's never going to end, it's a bottomless pit. Can I get an amen? Here's the reality about God. God doesn't measure the er and the est. God measures the heart. The er and the est doesn't matter to God. God is someone who looks at the heart. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Our heart has got to be right. Our heart has got to be pure. And as for moms, you're so quick to be like, oh my gosh, look at what they're doing. They've got it all together. That's so perfect. Why are we not that perfect? We need to be that. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm doing this and I'm not keeping up with that. And I'm not being up with it. We have all of this pressure. And God is saying, no, the thing that you need to steward is the matter of your hearts. Those are what matter to me. Can I get an amen? Many of you got up today probably and you said to your husband, oh my gosh, we have to make sure. We have to make sure we get a Mother's Day picture because, you know, when we tried to get the Easter picture, the kids were acting crazy and we didn't get it posted. And, oh, my gosh, we just can't possibly not get an Easter or a Mother's Day picture. And because surely no one would even care about us if we could. And we're in this rat race. If we have to make sure we do all these kind of things, it's a competition that God hasn't called you to. Uh, there's all these crazy things. I say I'm wrong, but like Pinterest and Etsy and all of these pressures that we put on each other. We look at this stuff and. Got to make that perfect, you know, perfect little lunchbox, right? You got to send your kid to school. Oh, yeah, you know, so put it on Instagram and it's everything's organic and everything's homegrown. And we played Nora Jones over it all night. It's so nice and cute. You know, we got this whole thing and we got to put this little lunchbox out there and everything's got to be so perfect and put notes in there and send them to school. And, and some of you are like, my kids just get a Ziploc <laughs> and and. And I had to dump the leftovers out of the Ziploc. It's a reused Ziploc that I just sent them with to go to school. But the world would be like, no, man, you're not doing it. You're not doing it because you don't got the zip. You don't got the little thing with all the notes and all the stuff. And God's being like, but where's your heart in that? Like, I care about your heart. Is your heart good? Are you stewarding your kids well? Are you, are you connected to them? Because so many people can get the lunchbox right, but the, the send off is wrong. The atmosphere that was built was wrong. Are, are you understand what I'm talking about? So all this pressure, I wrote it down like this. The problem with social media and all this stuff and this keeping up and this comparison is this. God has not called you to popularity. I got to do it like everybody else. We got to do it all perfect so that we can stay in the end so we can be one of those parents that everybody, God hasn't called you to popularity and keeping up. God's called you to purpose. God hasn't called you to prove yourself. God's called you to have purpose in your family. Well, no, I got to keep up and I got to prove that I'm being a good mom and I'm doing a good thing. So we got to have them in all this stuff. We got to keep everybody up and make sure that they know that God's called you to purpose. You don't need to prove yourself. The reality is, the reality is we, we run to all those things because we're, we're trying to find affirmation. We're trying to find, oh, I'm doing a good job. I'm trying to do this. But God has already called you special, worthy, called you separate, called you his own, called you all the things that you need. You already are good enough in God. Can I get an Amen. So let's focus on purpose. I wrote it down like this. They won't talk about you. Your kids won't talk about your Instagram story at your eulogy. Your Instagram won't matter when it comes to that day. 
your, how well you decorated the house, how good you stayed in fashion, all the things that we get so caught up in. When the day comes for your eulogy, the things that they're going to talk about are the things that you deposited on their hearts in their lifetime. What are the things that they took the time and not how you kept up and compared and measured up to everyone in the neighborhood. They're going to say, what did you do in my life and in my heart? Can I get an amen? So the scripture tells us in Hebrews that we're supposed to run with purpose. Not, not, not comparison, not keeping up with, not measuring up, not, not oh, i got to keep up with the Joneses. Did you see this person, that kind of thing? No, the scripture says you're called to run your race. Hebrews 12 says it this way. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. All this rat race and comparison and keeping up with the Joneses, it hinders. And then it says, in the sin that so easily entangles us, Here's what I want to get to. And it says, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. It says that you have a race marked out for you. And it's not a race against your neighbor. It's not a race against your sibling. It's not a race against future and all this kind of, the race that's marked out for you is a race that God has between you and him. It says this, we're then fixing our eyes on Jesus. If you ever played sports, particularly football, they really drill this into you if you're somebody who is someone who runs with the football, whether you're a receiver or a running back or somebody who gets the, the ball. They say, listen, when you have that ball, you have one job, and that is focus on the goal. You keep your eyes ahead. You fix yourself on the goal because the problem is if you're running with the ball and you go to check back and see if they're getting close, if you look back at any moment, if you look to your side, you begin to subconsciously slow down. Or even at some point, you begin to maybe stumble or miss a step if you begin to look around. So it's priority one. If you get that ball, you run and you run and you run till you get the goal. That's what Paul's saying here is like saying, look, you're running a race that's been marked out for you. And it's so important for you to keep your eyes fixed on one thing. Because if you take your eyes off the one thing and you check the Instagram and you compare yourself to this and you do that, you run a pretty good risk of slowing down and even stumbling. Can I get an amen today? So moms, let's be a people that say, God, what have you called me to? What have you called my eyes to fixate on? And that's what I'm going to do. There's another passage in scripture talking about how we don't compare ourselves. And it talks about how the body of Christ is made up of many parts. Uh, it's a pretty long verse, so I'm not going to read it all to you. I'll just paraphrase. But the scripture talks about this, like, hey, it's so important for us to remember that all of the members make up the body that we're called to be. And so the scripture says like, hey, if there's a foot that says, oh, I wish I was a hand or if I were the eyes, I wish I could be a foot. And there's all this like, I wish I could be that and wish I could be. that. And the scripture goes on to say, no, listen, everybody is called uniquely to their specific place, because when we're in our specific place, it makes us be what we're called to be together. Can I get an amen? amen. So we begin comparison. Oh, I wish I could be the eye. I wish I could be. the. No, God's called you to be specifically what you're called to be. And there's power in that. Amen. I thought today that I would bring some Play-Doh up here for an illustration because it's Mother's Day. I want to give you all PTSD because, you know, Play-Doh always sounds like a good idea. Mom, can I play some Play-Doh? Yeah, that's not that bad. What could go wrong? <laughs> and, then, and then carpet and kitchen utensils and it's in the toaster and it makes a mess. You think it's not going to make a mess and it's in every crack. It's just everywhere. I remember we were out. And uh, I looked at my son's uh, hands and like all his fingernails were like all these colors. And I was like, bro, what is under your nails? He's like, oh, that's Play-Doh. And I was like, bro, you played Play-Doh like a month ago. <laughs> How was your hands? <laughs> Take a shower. And uh, 
But Play-Doh is the best. I mean, like, a new jar of Play-Doh is hard to get open. <laughs> I didn't have this problem in the first service. But, like, fresh, fresh Play-Doh here is, like, just the best. Like, it smells so good. It tastes so good. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but fresh, created the way it was supposed to, bright, vibrant. It has a specific design. This is red Play-Doh. It's what it was created to be. This is blue-ish. I don't need some of you teacher type correcting me. Well, actually, <laughs> it's so good. It's, it's, it's vibrant, created color. It's so good. And that's what it's called and assigned to be is that bright color. And the problem with comparison is this is how you were created. And God has great purpose for you in this color and this design. And this is who he set you to be. But then we start to go, I wish I could be blue. Wish I could be blue. Oh, I'm going to just try to, I'm going to pretend to be blue. I'm going to try to act like blue. And I'm going to, and I start to put blue with the red. And then that's not enough because I really wasn't fulfilled in who I was supposed to be and focused on who I was supposed to be. So I tried to be this and this wasn't it. So then I said, oh, I want some green. And I try to put some green in there. And then when it all gets mixed together, what happens to Play-Doh? We don't like it anymore. <laughs> My daughters, that came in the mail. And they were like, is that new Play-Doh? And I was like, yeah, it's new Play-Doh. Can we have it? I said, no, I need to use it. But dad, all of our Play-Doh's ugly. It's all messed up. It's all in a... Caroline was in the first service. And I swear to you, right before I came up to preach, it's the bumper video. She was sitting right here for service. My daughter's 10. Her name's Caroline. And she's sitting right there. Literally, right before I go up, she doesn't stop me and say, like, give them heaven today, dad. She goes, don't mix the (laughs) Play-Doh. Seriously, that was my pre-preach warning. was like, "If if you mix it. Mix it. I don't want you to do that. God won't bless who you pretend to be. So when you say, I'm going to pretend to be some of this to keep up, and I'm going to pretend to be some of this to keep up, and I'm going to pretend to be all this, you mix yourself into something you're not called to be. And then we can't celebrate the color that you're called to be. And you can't be the place that you're supposed to be. So that's why it's so important for us to get in God's word and discover who God's called and assigned us to be so that you can be bright in the life that God called you to be. Can I get amen today? Philippians chapter 4 verse 12 gives us this this way that we can be content. There is a way to be content when we have things and we don't have things. When we, when we feel like we're measuring up and we don't. Paul again saying, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, he says, here's how I can do this. I can do it all through Christ who gives me strength. Mom, I know you go through seasons. I know that you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we're in this season the kids are acting crazy, and I've been out of energy for 44 years. You know, <laughs> I'm not saying you get to this season, you say, Oh my gosh, I'm in a season where I just don't have what I need. Paul says, You can be content through me. And then you get in your seasons where you're well fed and you're plenty taken care of, and you can be content because through Christ, He's made you able to be content in all seasons of our life. Amen. I'll close with this. I was, um, trying to figure out a way to preacher's talk would be land the plane. That's how you end the sermon. Uh, and I was struggling. I, 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 I don't want my Mother's Day sermon to ever be like, do better, <laughs> right? 
I, I, I always want my sermon to be obviously just loving and encouraging and you walk out of here uplifted. Father's Day is do better. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, so I was like, oh, Lord, help me with the end. And it wasn't really till this week uh, that I thought of this. But I began to think about, okay, comparison. Why, why do we compare? I don't think people uh, compare necessarily from an ugly heart. I, you know, I don't think people get nasty and go, I'm going to go on these places. I'm going to look at people's life and I'm going to compare and compare and I'm going to judge and critique. I don't, I don't think that's what happens. I actually think a lot of times comparison starts because we don't want to miss out on something. It's actually more of like a, I don't want to lose out. I don't want to grow apart. Um, I don't want to miss anybody or anything. And so as life changes, we're either comparing because we want to bring people back into us or, or, or whatever. And so comparing is such an interesting thing. And I don't want to always, to, I don't want you to think it's always like this big negative. But I was saying, okay, Lord, how do we fall into comparing? Like how, even in my life, how do you compare? And comparison really happens, I think, a lot of times when, Again, we feel distance is happening or growing apart is happening. And then the Lord gave me this picture. I'm going to show it to you. Um, I begin to, he spoke to me about like a tree, a small tree in the beginning of things. So hear this. Grandmas, nanas, grannies, you know, whatever. I want you to hear this. This is for all, this is for all people, men too. In the beginning you're close. It's small. You're together. You either got your kids or you got your friendship circle or you got your high school people you, you grew up with or whatever. And it's close. It's small. You're all close. You're all tight together. And so you're like, this is good. We're all the same. I don't have to compare. I don't have to worry. We're all, we're all doing the same thing. We're all together because we're close. Proximity is close. It's small. But then as things grow, because it goes fast, you have like a baby for a minute. My 10-year-old, again, sat on the front row. They're these little babies, and they're so sweet. And now she's 10 and lectures me before I preach. You know, like it just goes quick. It goes, so you get these kids, and they grow up, and then they're in sports, and then they graduate. Then, then they, you know, they get married. And, and so the tree grows, and it gets bigger, and it grows out. This thing grows out, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, man. Like, you're all the way over there on that side of the tree, and I'm all the way over here on this side of the tree, and, and I'm beginning to compare, like, what's going on on that side of the tree, and what's going on, and all of this insecurity sets in, and so we start to judge and compare, and how do we get, because we used to be so close, it used to be so tight, we used to be this, and so then, you know, the enemy comes in, and he begins to whisper, see, they don't care about you, they're on that side of the tree, they don't love you, they don't pay attention to you, you don't even matter to them, they, they're on the other side of the tree. But what we have to keep in mind is God works generationally, okay? Meaning we're all the same source. God called you. He appointed you. He set you. He set your family. It grew up and it grew out, but you're still connected at the same source in God, if you know what I'm talking about. What's amazing about a tree, I was just learning these things this week. What's amazing about the tree is if because they shared the same source, if one side of the tree begins to fall ill, whether insect or some kind of disease or some kind of thing, do you know that the other side of the tree can recognize that and send resources to the other side of the tree? So, so hold on a second. We got something going on over here because we're still one and we got the same source. I care about what's going on over there. 
So the enemy would love to come in and be like, that side of a tree is another thing, and the top of the tree is not the bottom of the tree, and all this kind of stuff. And the tree's like, no, 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 we're, we're, we're all in this together. And that's why even spiritually, you may have had a loss of a mother or even a child. But together in this tree, spiritual moms, we're all in this tree working. We're all there for one another. We're all doing this thing generationally. When somebody hurts, we can bring the healing. When somebody has something going on, we can come in and say, hey, we got you over here. Are you tracking what I'm saying? I want to encourage you, don't let growing up and growing out cause you to think that you're growing apart. And we begin to compare and measure and gauge things against each other and, and, and cause strife. We're in this together, and we need to speak life and send, send help and send nutrients where it needs to be sent. Amen? And then lastly, I'll send you in what I already shared is this. Just walk away here knowing this, that the fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. You have something so special that God has given you. It's your life. It's your relationship with him, and it, but it's your family. So don't be running, trying to keep up and this and that. Oh, I wish we had this and did this. Like a, let's pay attention to the special thing that God gave us so that we don't kill it with comparison. Amen? Let me pray for you. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for the way that you lead us and love us. Lord, we ask that you speak to every single mom in here, Lord, and help them determine and set their eyes on the race that you've marked for them. Lord, help them keep their eyes on you. God, I pray against all the distractions of comparison. And we pray that, God, you give us the eyes to stay focused on you, not torn down by trying to keep up with other things, but, Lord, keeping our eyes set on you. Lord, I pray that you bless them today, that you encourage them today. Lord, you give them rest today. Uh, Lord, I pray that every meal they eat today comes out perfect. In Jesus' name, amen.